Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. That's First Chronicles 16.34, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Christmeyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. My guest today is Emily Jaminet, and she found God's love in Scripture through the lens of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and it changed her life. Emily, I can't wait to hear more. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It is such a beautiful ministry to reconnect women to the the Word of God. And for me, I, I definitely have been touched through the Word of God and continue to spend as much time as I can being fed spiritually through the the gift of scripture. Well, that certainly comes through in all the things that you do. And I have to say, you sure wear a lot of hats. Not only are you a mom of seven, you're also a speaker, podcaster, a radio host, an author, a lot of other things as well. How would you describe what you do? What's your central focus, would you say? Well, I think the first thing is, is that Jesus is always first. And a lot of times he opens these really special doors and through discernment, I I love to say yes, as many times as I can. And it really has allowed me to walk on waters. I never thought that I would be able to, to walk upon. And as you mentioned, my vocation as wife and mom, my children range almost 24 to seven so as I'm still in the thick of it, I just see such a value in partnering and walking along with other women and providing them support and encouragement and, and giving back wherever we can. And that I bet you find, as I do, that the more you give to others, the more you give back yourself. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You know, even all the book writing and all of this was just an extension of that desire to to give back because I've been so blessed just in my Catholic upbringing and in my family and as my faith continued to grow in my 20s and, and onward. And then getting involved in the Sacred Heart has really renewed my spirit and helped me to see the value of authentically presenting Christ and, and the love that He has to others, especially as we seek to live out our devotions and our, our faith. So... Which came first, the ministry or the motherhood? How'd you get launched into all the things you do? <laughs> That's a great question. Actually, many, many years of motherhood. <sighs> and I started my family in my early 20s, shortly after college, marrying my college sweetheart. And yet I look back, I see that, you know, I, I led a young woman's Bible study right in my apartment down the street from Ohio State mm. University where my husband was getting his engineering degree, he went back to school. And then I look back at different ways in which I gave, starting Bible studies, starting vacation Bible schools, working on a local podcast, supporting moms. So I see that I've always had that in me. It just didn't really come to a formal formal sense until about 2014. So it's, it's pretty relatively new, but yet has always been a part of my charism. Mm-hmm. Was there some event or something in your life that really kind of kickstarted your faith or brought you alive? Or have you always been really involved in your faith from childhood? Well, I was raised in a beautiful Catholic family. I I witnessed literally my dad's um, reversion, conversion, you know, in our family life and Um, what that meant for our family. And as he was a convert and deepened his faith when I was in middle school, 
And yet I also think as I've tried to live in the world, but not be worldly, it's always that that need to purge ourselves of the culture and start again. So I've had these different encounters with the Lord. One specific encounter, I remember when I remember I, I had about four or five little kids running around and it was it was hard those different seasons when the kids were little. I remember dialoguing a lot with my brother, who's a Catholic priest. He was early in his vocation and, you know, he would seek to inspire me, you could say, but at first it felt more like another burden. Like, how's your prayer life, Emily? You know, are you reading scripture, Emily? And I'm like, I'm keeping little people alive was really like my mentality at the time. And I remember we had this really heated discussion about, you know, him asking if I was reading the scriptures and if I wanted a missile and, you know, and all these different wonderful tools. This was before really the internet was accessible to make a lot of the, there was no apps at this time. And um, I remember telling him that I didn't have time. I, I literally said, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read scripture. Like kind of alluding that that was for a privileged state that I was not in. And I could tell that I felt burdened looking back by, by saying that. But the, the truth was, he looked right at me and he looked literally into my heart. He, he with those piercing older brother eyes. And he said, you can't afford not to pray. And it made me really just touched my heart and made me realize like, he's absolutely right. Like I could be the world's best mother, but without prayer, I'm not doing it through the Lord working through me. I'm, I'm doing it really out of pride or out of other motives. So that was kind of a aha moment of, of the Lord planting a new seed in my heart. So that really sounds good. I mean, a lot of people might say that I don't have time to pray and they could hear your brother say that and think you're right. I can't afford not to pray, but how do I fit it into my life? (laughs) So what, how did you do it? Well, I started, my first prayer was like, Lord, show me the opportunities you want me to pray. And when I looked back, I realized that I was feeling really burdened and burnt out. And that's why I wasn't turning to prayer because I had always in college, I had an active prayer life. And but I felt like motherhood had almost trumped my relationship with Jesus, you know. And so I started rewinding my circumstance. And one was I actually had a lot of quiet time. I I rocked a lot of babies back then. And (laughs) I had a cranky little one that never wanted to sleep. And so I started you know, turning to praying the rosary at night, for example, or, you know, choosing just one scripture and just holding it in my heart, like in some of the scripture we'll actually talk about in a little bit, but realizing that what is the Lord's voice? It's gentle, it's kind, it's loving, it's consoling. And it really did kind of strengthen me in that period that I didn't even realize that I was even suffering. So it's kind of prayer prayer gives us such an awakening even to our own soul. And what about now? Your kids are a little bit older. Do you have a, a regular devotional habit that you follow? And if so, does it include scripture? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely would say I'm in a new season of life. My season is my kids are all out the door to Catholic school in the morning. So I choose to rise very early. And when, um, especially as a mom, as when we get up early, like we can read in Proverbs 31, the importance of rising early. We can not only get a lot done to our day, but we can carve out the time that we need for contemplation and prayer. So my first cup of coffee is always with Jesus. 
I used to run around drinking the coffee, but now I realize that's a great way to do it. Just spend that whole 10 minutes with the Lord. And a lot of times it turns into more, but reading through the daily readings is a great way. I, I still pull it up on my app every day. And when I look at that, the USCCB readings for the day, I'm like, okay, you know, are you going to do this now? I kind of review my time and make the time. I think that's the biggest key is you make the time. And then my prayer also includes a prayer journal. So journaling is is a great way to do that as well. And beginning and ending the day with gratitude. I, I see such a renewal in my own heart with prayers of gratitude and, and reading the Psalms of praise and just reminding myself that like, you know, God's given me everything. And that that changed kind of how I viewed even those days I felt a little burdened, as you could say. Hmm. Such good advice. If I can repeat those steps that you outlined, I think they were first to make time and then incorporate scripture, journaling, and then tying it all up with gratitude. I love that. So important. And you're right. They all depend on that first thing, making time, which can be so hard to do. I think a lot of people can relate to what you said earlier that motherhood, or actually it could be any obligations, uh, that motherhood had trumped your relationship with Jesus. How often does that happen? I'm going to post this question for our Instagram community. How do you make time for prayer and scripture for that relationship with Jesus? What's your biggest challenge and what helps you overcome it? Go to at Living the Word Bible to share your ideas and to see what others think. Let's help and encourage each other. Emily, obviously, uh, in the course of, of your devotions and just of growing with the Lord and so on, the Sacred Heart of Jesus has become very important to you. I mean, I know you've written that you wrote a book on the secrets of the Sacred Heart. You co-wrote a book on Divine Mercy for Moms. You're the executive director of the Sacred Heart Enthronement Network. <laughs> Clearly, the Sacred Heart and God's love for you has really impacted your life. Is there anything that you can tell us about how that awareness of Jesus's love has came about in your life? I can share that it began in my own family, you know, seeing it lived out in my parents' life. I remember when I was in high school, my parents um, did the enthronement of the Sacred Heart back uh, in the 90s and welcomed the reign of Christ into our home. Can I you remember, explain that a little bit? Sure. I'm yeah. not familiar with that. Thank you. So the enthronement, um, well, when we read in Psalm 102, he's enthroned on high for all generations. The enthronement is an extension of that Psalm, but specifically to welcoming Jesus as King, Lord, Savior, and friend of the family. It also ties in the imagery of even revelations as he's knocking on the door, you know, and welcoming him in. So thinking about him as our Lord wanting to dine with our family, wants to be with our family. And yet it's really highlighted through the Sacred Heart devotion because St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, uh, 350 years ago, revealed um, that Jesus said that he where his image is exposed and honored, you shall be blessed. So that's why culturally and many Catholic families have always had an image of the Sacred Heart is because they understood that his heart wanted to be in our life. And when I say exposed, that's usually just an, a simple image of the Sacred Heart where Jesus, when he appeared to St. Margaret Mary, his heart was outside of his body. And it was aflamed and it was aflamed with love. And he even shared the words, behold, this heart, which loves so much, but receives indifference and gratitude and coldness in return. 
And the devotion and, and really the apparitions is a reminder and an invitation for us to respond to the love that he has for us and to show him that love. If it's through our deeds, our words, our prayers, our devotions, um, obviously understanding that he's present in the Holy Eucharist, being really living out our faith authentically. So nothing of this devotion pulls us away from our Catholic faith. If anything, it strengthens our faith. So I, I got to witness that in my own family life. And then I kind of came to that same awakening. The more work that I did, the more that I read, the more that I read from St. Margaret Mary's diary, I was like, this is really the key to what I'd seen in my previous generations of family members lived out and the joy that they had. And have you found that that love coming through the Word of God when you read it? Absolutely. That's such a powerful question and statement. I started to hear and see the Lord in a new way. You know, as we know that He is meek and humble, we also know that at the Last Supper, I was so taken back by in this time of turbulence and struggle as the Lord's revealing that he is going to die. You know, John the Apostle leans back upon the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, this is what the heart to heart looks like. It's like leaning back and being grounded and the heartbeat of our Lord is no better place for us to find ourselves, especially in times of trial and difficulty. So that's really what I began to do is listen to the heartbeat of the Lord, lean on him, ask for strength, everything from Lord, how are we going to pay that medical bill to like, you know, this squirrely teenager, what are we going to do about him? You know, it's just everything got to go to the heart of Jesus. And the beautiful thing is my my husband's the one who started to notice change in our own family when the yeah. more that we relied on the hymn and we, again, we enthroned the sacred heart, we had the image exposed and honored and we welcomed the reign of the Lord. There, there was more peace and joy. There was more signs that the kingdom left, you know, was, was present in our very own Catholic home. (laughs) Can you give an example? Sure. So at one point, all seven kids were in the home as a few now have moved out. And there was one particular child in which I felt like he was just struggling. Like he was, you know, at times sorrowful, kind of rebellious, difficult. And I started to notice in the middle of the night, I would wake up and if you've, if you've gotten up with babies for many years, you're like, oh no, I don't want to be up, Lord, right? Like, <laughs> please let me go back to bed. And I realized that that was an area in which I was resentful towards my lack of sleep. So I, I said, Lord, okay, you get to come into all 24 hours of our family life. You get to come into every aspect of this family. So when I would be woken up, I, instead of being cranky or, or even laying in my bed praying, I would get up and I would pray throughout the house, like, Lord, Please bless all the children. Please bless, you know, our family. And I would visit the image of the Sacred Heart. And a number of times, you know, I would notice, oops, that garage door was wide open, you know, and <laughs> and uh, nobody put it down. On, so you can say, thank you, God, that the garage door is now down and, and we are physically safe. But there was a, a couple times in which it was late at the night and I, I found my son playing video games. You know, I found my son on his phone and he's like, oh my goodness, mom, like, how do you keep catching me? Like you literally <laughs> said that. And I said, well, this is the Lord's house. We welcome the reign of love, of love, the King of love into our home, the King of all Kings. And so he has asked me to partner with him to wake up and to be there for you. And 
What I yeah. noticed is my old mentality was anger, right? Like yeah. yelling, what are you doing up? You know, grabbing the device or grabbing this. But instead, more and more, the Lord led me to a place of compassion and love. It doesn't mean that the discipline isn't present. But at one point, I even took him before the image of the sacred heart. And I said, you know, this is the king of our home. This is the person mm. who's the king of our home, Jesus. And it, it started to to soak into the life of my family, but it also changed how we we viewed everything. He, One of my favorite priests says, Jesus loves to rearrange the furniture of our homes and especially spiritually, our priorities and kind of maybe even our, our attitude and how we're, our disposition. Well, something I, I love about what you've been saying is I think about it, often we think about the love of God that he has for us and the love of Jesus as something just directed toward us personally to heal our hurts or to comfort us or whatever. And certainly that's a huge part of it. But what you've just been describing is how receiving that love from him has been changing you to be more like him. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to your latest book, which is brand new, I think. I haven't even gotten a chance to see it yet, but it's called Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. And please tell us about that book. Well, one of the things like you mentioned, I I was so excited to share about the 12 promises and how it's rooted in scripture and the devotion of the Sacred Heart in my previous book. But I realized there was a book that was missing, just focusing on the heart of Jesus and focusing on what happens when we encounter this authentic love. And I think a lot of times we are quick to turn to despair and we're quick to judge a situation through our own lens. And what I realized is the closer we grow to Christ, the more that we grow in hope and the more that the abundance of gratitude, of peace can begin beginning in our own soul. And we ultimately change. And as a result, it strengthens our relationships and it can really transform, especially through habits, how we go about living our life. So it's it's an inner glance. The book invites you to an inner glance into your own heart to encounter the love of Christ, to read many, many of the quotes and saint quotes from St. Margaret Mary Alacoque and, and other wonderful saints as well. And then to be willing to put put away the shame, for example, you know, to stop thinking that you're bad, but instead say, Lord, I need you. I need your love because I can't rely on my own love. My love is distorted and tainted and broken, and it's going to let all the people down in my life. But your love, Lord, your love changes hearts. It changes families. It changes nations. And so I, I believe that wholeheartedly that we're in a crisis that begins in the heart. So the t- the 10 habits that you talk about, are these habits that you witness in Jesus that you're having other people copy? Or what are, what are the habits that you're talking about? That's such a great question. You know what? Um, the 10 habits are really 10 examples of lives. I, I give you a glance of a person's heart. I, I didn't want to make the um, each chapter about a testimony just about my family or myself. I share a little bit about my story and a little bit about my family so you can kind of understand the lens and the context of why I wrote the book. But I also share you different people who have come to me and said, like, you won't believe what happened to my family. And a lot of times they'd say, you won't believe the miracle that happened. And it's not a miracle that would make the front cover of Times Magazine or a great Catholic magazine. But at the same time, if you can, you know, let go of the counterfeit of love, such as addiction, or as we mentioned, anger, or even 
the attributes in which we know in First Corinthians that love is patient and kind and the opposite, that rudeness or that brokenness or unforgiveness, that is a miracle. That will change how you you live your life. So it's really an invitation to be willing to implement better virtues, virtues letting go of the vices, and to be transformed in the way that the Lord wants to transform you. Because each one of us, he's inviting us to to change from within. What's the biggest thing you learned while you were writing the book? I think the first thing that I learned is that every heart has a story. And a lot of times in this culture, you know, I think about that powerful scripture in Ezekiel 26, 36, I give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I think that we live in a culture of numbness. So many of us are are not wanting to feel what goes on within our heart. We're almost afraid of our hearts. And even as Catholics, it's like if we only catechize enough, you know, people will follow the faith. But I think it's two parts. It's both and. It's catechesis and it's the authentic encounter with the love of Christ. So as we're talking about hearing the word through a lens of love, experiencing the Eucharist through knowing it's the body of Christ, it's the it's from the same heart that we receive the sacred heart. So it changes, it changes everything. It softens and yet it's an invitation to change. So for me, a lot of times I tell people like, I don't write a book because I have it figured out. <laughs> I write a book because I'm in the trenches of life and I have to figure out, I have to figure out how to experience peace, love, and joy in a fallen world. And that's really that, that was really the motivation. And that was kind of even the aha, like, wow, this is a big journey that we're on here to uh, experience the love of God. But I know he's offering that, his his heart to us. Yeah. Can you share one of the stories that you write about? Sure. Um, you know, one of the stories that was really touching was a couple that actually promoted the enthronement of the Sacred Heart. So they, different ways you can do that is, you know, you can welcome you can do it individually. You can have a missionary come, like another person, witness an enthronement. It's kind of a cultural thing. You can even invite a Catholic priest, for example. But they said that for many years, even though they were very active in their church, they kept saying, no, thank you. We don't need an image of the Sacred Heart. We don't need the enthronement. We're all set. And the wife talked about how she longed for this, but the husband was like, no, you know, we're, we're all set. You know, we don't need another thing. We're not, we're, we're, our, our house is full. No, thank you. And yet, you know, through the invitation of another person, you know, they, they ended up doing the enthronement. And when I interviewed him, he said, everything changed in my life. And I was like, what? He said, I experienced a new love of even for my wife. I experienced a deeper sense of even trust, a deeper sense of intimacy, deeper sense of, you know, desire to pray a new peace in my family and in my heart and my home. And they revealed that they had helped over a hundred other Catholic families by facilitating the enthronement, just inviting them to do it. So it just touched my heart so much to hear that even though they looked like the perfect Catholic family, you know, Catholic couple, they experienced a deepening. And what was really beautiful is some of their kids are not practicing the faith, but they live with that unbelievable hope and knowing and trusting in the heart of Jesus that he too will care for their family. And I believe that's what Jesus wants us to do at this time is fully entrust our family to his heart. That's beautiful. 
Emily, one thing that's obvious about you just in listening to you is is your deep love for scripture and the way that it's impacted your life. And is there a particular book that is just a go-to book that you love to read? That's a really good question. I do love the book of John. I will tell you, I just finished a study in my local parish where I help out as well, reviewing many of the miracles of John. And I I think that the way he speaks as the beloved apostle, he was there at the crucifixion, you know, and he really continues to remind us of the heart of Jesus. So I, I would say that's my my go-to starting there. I also really love the idea of Ezekiel with dry bones. I, I, I don't know, oh. but as a mom, I feel really dry at times. And yeah. I love that imagery and that scripture and much of Ezekiel to renew me and to see that like renewal is possible. Like, an entire world of people not practicing their faith can be transformed. We can set this world ablaze through the, the authentic encounter of with Christ. So there's a number of them, but I, I definitely would say John is my favorite book. And I love that image from Ezekiel. If people aren't familiar with, with what that is, Ezekiel is shown this whole valley of dry bones and it's the it's like a battlefield where a lot of people have died and the vultures have picked them clean and they're just, it's just a picture of death. And the Lord shows him that the Holy Spirit is going to bring them to life. And it's a picture of bringing Israel back to life after they've been scattered, you know, to the nations. And it is a beautiful picture because the Holy Spirit is not limited by us. You know, we can be very dead and he brings life to us in our lives. And that is so connected with the love that he has for us that he's not willing to let us die unless, you know, unless we insist upon it. But he's always there with his life for us. And so true. It's brought me a lot of hope and it brings me hope for the world as well. When we look at that, how much God loves us so much, so very much. Yeah. Are there any other scriptures that you particularly focused on in your book? In my book, I also, you know, 1 Corinthians, I think it's really important. A lot of times we hear that 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you know, and, and do I have time to read it real quick, Sarah? Yes, Lord. Okay. You know, we might know the scripture from weddings, but I think it actually pertains more to everyday life than just uh, sacraments. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not pompous. It is not inflated. It's not rude. It does not seek its own interests. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brew over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. So that's something that has really helped me in those difficult times, especially as a Catholic mom, to deliver this type of love consistently to my family has brought me onto my knees more than I could have imagined. It's taught me to say I'm sorry to my family when I have not lived up to the type of love that Christ is inviting us to to really share to others. And it has humbled me to see, you know, what goes on in my heart. And even though I want to love, sometimes it doesn't look as pretty as the scripture for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And don't you find when you especially if you memorize scripture like that, but if you can have it going through your head, it kind of brings you up short at times when you're going to be impatient or 
you know, rude or whatever, you hear that little voice, love is patient, love is kind, just reminding you. And then you can draw on that strength of the Holy Spirit to actually do that. It's true. And that's why I think um, beginning with one scripture, maybe for, you know, your listeners, it's, it seems overwhelming as we've t- been able to discuss some beautiful scripture in this podcast, but start with one, you know, like I need to know that it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. I needed to know in those difficult moments that, you know, with love, we can get through this difficult time. If it was, you know, something as a behavior issue of a child to a sickness of an, you know, of my parents caring for my parents, but this is, this is important. Beautiful. Well, Emily, uh, before we go, is there a favorite verse that you have, just a go-to verse that you go to in times of need or that you really draw on a lot that you can share with people? Yes, it's my favorite ber- verse is Matthew and it's eleven twenty-eight through 30. And I think you might recognize it, but it sure meets, I think, everyone's circumstances. Come to me, all who are labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And why does that speak to you so much? Well, I, I like I, as I mentioned in the podcast, oftentimes I felt burdened by the tasks that were at hand. And Jesus really showed me it's not through a spirit of resentment and focusing on the burden, but instead allowing him to carry me through those difficult times. And there was an interior change. And as we look at the scripture, Jesus tells us what his heart is like. He literally, as we look at the sacred heart, you know, again, the imagery of Jesus's heart outside his body, he says, and my heart is meek and humble and the pathway to, you know, being set free of this burden and in our labors and the things that have us so overwhelmed is through his heart. It's through being meek. It's through being humble. It's through following the ways of Jesus. So to me, oftentimes it's an invitation, the scripture, but it also reminds me that I'm called to work hard in this world so that I hope and pray that in the next I hear him welcome me into the kingdom of God. You know, this is not, this earth is not just one big vacation, but it is, it is where we get to um, promote the faith, share deeds of faith and, and help our brothers and sisters um, in this great journey. I like that image of a yoke. You know, you think about two oxen or whatever. The reason you put the yoke between them is that it, it, helps them to shoulder the burden and to be able to carry huge amounts of weight, you know, with relative ease, although I'm sure it still feels heavy on them. But that idea that that Jesus gives us his yoke, a share in his yoke, and that it fits well to us and we can carry it, you know, that and that's very empowering. It's not burdensome like some of the things that we put on ourselves. At least that I I tend to put big things on myself. And I forget this isn't always what the Lord has been putting on me. That's really true. That's why it's important through prayer and scripture to discern what the Lord's inviting you to do at this time and season of your life. And this is something that has really allowed me to, with partnering with others as well, is that it has made for easier travels in this world. But mostly when I picture that yoke, like you said, it's grace, it's God's grace 
to do maybe the tasks that we're all called to do, but yet how we do it, um, especially our our daily work, how we do it. God wants to change our hearts and how we view things. Well, on that note, I would like to pray with this verse with all who are listening and with you. So perhaps close your eyes and listen and prayerfully hear the Lord speaking to you as I read. This again is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 to 30, if you want to read along. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We thank you, Jesus, for this gift, this assurance of rest in you, and for the great love that you've given us, that we remember with the help of your sacred heart devotion. And I pray that you'll help us to go to you in our need, to give you our burdens and take yours in exchange. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for the life and strength it brings. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder what you say to us in Scripture. Give us the grace to love and live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Amen. And Mary, Mother of the Word, pray for us. So thank you so much, Emily. It's been great talking with you today. Is there anything that you'd like to let our listeners know? Where can they reach you and find more about your books, your ministry? Well, thank you, Sarah. What a beautiful podcast this is here. And I think it's important. We're always reminded of the importance of, of turning to the Word of God, no matter what our devotion is or what season in life that we are. You can't can't live your faith without knowing what the voice of the Lord sounds like. And that's so yeah. important. You can find me on my website, Emily Jaminet. J-A-M-I-N-E-T dot com. And you can learn more about the ministry and the work we do at welcomehisheart.com. And I'd love to hear from different listeners on any of my social media outlets as well or all under my name. So thanks. And don't miss Emily's new book, Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. I will link to it in her bio. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been Living the Word Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. And you can also join our Instagram community. You will find us at Living the Word Bible, where you can share this week how you make time for prayer and listening to the Lord in Scripture, or learn how others do. And if, like Emily, you like to journal as you read, check out the brand new Living the Word Companion Journal. It will guide you through 100 days in the Word as you make it part of your daily prayer life. Both the Bible and the journal are available for $5 off and free shipping all this year from AveMariaPress.com when you use the promo code BiblePodcast, all one word. May God bless you as you read His Word. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.